and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. The new Women's Super League season is approaching and off the back of the World Cup, we wanted to give a little bit of an introduction to the Chelsea women's team for people who might not have watched the team before, whether you maybe watch some of the World Cup and want to keep up with the women's game moving forward, whether you've sort of been meaning to begin watching the women's team, not got around to it before, looking to get in ahead of the new season. We wanted to use this episode to give you a little bit of background on the team so you are prepped and ready to go when that first game of the season rolls around For those of you who might not have listened to a Blue Royalty episode before, I'm Jessie Parker-Humphreys. I'm a women's football writer, broadcaster, and yes, a Chelsea fan, who hosts our bi-weekly Blue Royalty episode. I'm joined today by Tracy Brown of Chelsea Pride to help me go through what we think you might need to know. Tracy, for people who might not know you, um, I don't know how they'll have missed you, but give everyone a little bit of an introduction of yourself. So, yes, so everyone, uh, Tracy Brown, what can I say? Uh, Nickname, which is something I've now adopted, is Smurfy. Um, I'm sure I support a blue team. It's now stuck. Even members of staff at Chelsea are calling me it now. So if you see me, I mean, I have strangers walk up to me and say, hi, Smurfy, which is slightly weird. Um, Yeah, I'm the chair of Chelsea Pride. We've been going for nearly seven years. It's seven years. Seventh birthday later this year, and yes, it's um it's a lot of work supporting Chelsea Football Club and doing stuff for them. But very proudly, I'm also sit on our FAB, which is our fan advisory board at Chelsea Football Club. So I bring a lot of work for the EDI community and everything to the board. I also scream very loudly for our women's team uh, at the boardroom. I'm that one who sits there and goes, but the women um, constantly. Um, and I will continue to do that for all of us fans and the players and management at Chelsea Women. So, yes, great to be here. Season is upon us and sort we of. go again. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because with the, well, it's kind of to do with the World Cup, but everyone else in Europe goes back a lot earlier than us. So we've got about a month still, actually, until the girls kick off proper. Um, but. I think in terms of like why Chelsea women are a lot of fun, I I definitely feel like they are a team that more than stand up just on their own, um, regardless of the affiliation with club. But I think especially at the moment, Tracy, when we look at the men's side and some of the churn that we've seen for better and for worse, I think it's fair to say Something that I think is really attractive about the the Chelsea women's side is that we've got lots of long-serving players, a really long-serving manager, lots of stability, lots of excitement, but also like constantly looking to move forward. Yeah, I think that pretty much hits the nail on the head, really. I think, yes, we, we've had a lot of... On the back of the men's season last year, which is the season to be absolutely forgotten, that there has been a lot happening around the men's team and a vast amount of money has been spent on redeveloping that. And that's, I think, in the long run, redeveloping it for the future. With our women, we're also doing that as well. We do have our core players. Um, I can list some amazing players we have. And we're looking to build a fantastic new structure around them. Um, We are an exciting team. We're four-time champions in a row. That's never going to get old saying it, to be fair. Uh, but we've still got places we want to be, things we want to do, records we want to break, and a Champions League that we want to win. So 
We are bringing in players we know can strengthen that core group we have, but we have lost some talent as well um, who've, who've left us, which is always a shame uh, in um, Magda and Penil, who are two people that, from a Chelsea Pride perspective, are awful to lose because they're phenomenal for our community. But we grow, we continue and we strengthen. And I think we definitely have strengthened ahead of the season. Yeah, Chelsea definitely going into a bit of a new era, particularly with the departure of Magda Eriksson, who who was Chelsea's long-time club captain. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about where the squad is at now, a bit later in the episode. But just for a quick bit of historical background, Chelsea women were founded in the 90s at the time they were Chelsea ladies by Tony Farmer. Um, they had a... I feel like quite an interesting journey to to where they got. Um, there's obviously been playing sort of, they've been playing for a long time, but it wasn't really, I think it's fair to say, Tracy, until the arrival of Emma Hayes that things really, really got going. Um, there was sort of an FA Cup final with Matt Beard before Hayes arrived. Um, Matt Beard currently at... Um, WSL manager at Liverpool. Um, so it's so familiar to people who who regularly watch WSL, but it really feels like this current era of Chelsea is intrinsically linked to Emma Hayes' arrival at the club in 2012. Talk to us a bit about Emma for anyone who doesn't know her. I mean, again, someone who I think is is very familiar to, to any football fan at this point in time. Um, but just give us a bit of background on Emma and her time at the club. Wow, where do you start when it comes to a legend? Um, look, I think, you know, you look at Emma Hayes and, you know, if you just pick, pick up, go on Google, have a look at Emma Hayes through the years, you'll mostly see her get more stressed. But, um, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a person who has a connection, unfortunately, to Arsenal, which we'll quickly skip over. Um, but, you know, then decide, you know, go to the better part of London and and, and um, become our manager. And in that time, and it's, it feels like it's been a very long time, has built, it almost seems, a rock of a team. And is almost unforgiving in the way that she does that. And you only have to find that out by watching um, a little uh, series that was done around the club and, Look at the way Emma Hayes manages the team. I do suggest go on and find that. Watch it. You will be surprised. Uh, a, a manager that swears just so much. And that, that's one thing you really will learn about Emma Hayes as you start following Chelsea, if you're at the beginning of your journey. This is a powerhouse person who, you know, leads the way within women's football I believe what she brings to the game is phenomenal she's all very much around teaching people as well and I think that's really good about her management style any women that want to come into the game she's absolutely full of knowledge and is always willing to share that knowledge but bigger still as much as she's done phenomenal things for Chelsea as in football as a whole she's doing amazing things as well the amount of men that absolutely admire Emma Hayes who don't follow women's football is incredible in itself. Her punditry is second to none, better than most people out there. Literally, I'd have Emma Hayes on everything personally. Doesn't matter what channel, just get her commentating. Her knowledge on the game is is second to none. What I mean, really, I just she's amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing, and she's more amazing. And we could never lose her. She needs a life contract with Chelsea. 
but she has built us from the ground up and we are where we are today because she's almost unforgiving in what she does and she wants the best she strives for the best she's a serial winner and she builds serial winners within the squad she'll take a player and give them time she will not rush a player into a team she will make sure that they are ready when we're all screaming for a player to even come on, she will still not do what we want her to until she feels they are ready. And when she does that, she does bring out the best in players. I will go into players later on, obviously, in the in the podcast, but there's a couple of players that really, really, I think, showed up last year um, that had slowly, I personally think, been integrated into the team. And she just she gets the very best out of players going to mention her now, Guru, which is one of my favourite players, um, has grown from strength to strength, as everyone has under Emma Hayes. And why would you want to go and play anywhere else? Yeah, I think that's a, a fantastic summary. I think Hayes is a fantastic example of how a manager can develop if they're given the time and opportunity um, to really bed themselves into the club, you know, the Chelsea squad as it is now is fully like Emma Hayes's squad. It's made up of players that she's wanted, players that she's developed over over a number of years. And, you know, like when she first came in, Chelsea finished third bottom. And now we're talking about a team that's won the past four WSL titles. And it's easy to look at Chelsea and sort of put that down to spending money. But lots of the top clubs within the WSL spend as much money as Chelsea, your Man City's, your Arsenal's sort of now your Manchester United's, although not quite as much as those top three. But um, in terms of that dominance, you are looking at, at a manager-led uh, club, not not just a team who are, are spending and therefore being at the top. And I think, you know, something that you've touched on there is is not only her tactical knowledge, but she's a fantastic people manager. And I think something that lots of people don't really get when they look at Chelsea and the players that they managed to persuade to be at the club is, is what you touched on. Like people want to play for Emma Hayes because she improves them as players because she challenges them. And, you know, sometimes players are happy to maybe have less minutes than they would get at other clubs because they become better players as a result. And I also think something that's very overlooked about her is that she's an incredibly fair manager. When we're talking about players getting minutes or not getting minutes, it's often based on, on what they deserve, to be honest. You know, good performances tend to be rewarded with more minutes and vice versa. Um, it's very rare that players sort of stay in the team just because they should. And that creates the sort of competitive environment that's allowed Chelsea to, to carry on challenging because it's so easy for teams to dominate for large periods of time and become a bit bored. But that's not really something that we've seen at Chelsea in past years. It, it feels like that that inner competition that's been created due to the talent of the squad that has been assembled is what has allowed Chelsea to continue to compete at the top. Tracy, what what do you think when you look at Chelsea? Obviously, we've talked about Hayes and her impact, but what else do you think Chelsea have done to become the best? Because for, for those who might not know, we've obviously talked about the four consecutive WSL titles. There's two other WSL titles that come before that. So Chelsea have won six times. Five FA Cups, including the past three. Two Women's League Cups, uh, or the Continental Cup, as as we call it. Um, and that includes actually reaching the, the past four finals, even though famously we seem to currently throw the Conti Cup final every year. But, but what is it that Chelsea have done that's allowed them to be so, so dominant, even though there is this constant investment from other sides? I think as much as we've said 
Emma allows players to develop. I think it's players, as you say, wanting to stay and know that they are under the right manager. And I think the players see a team that's so well run and structured that, yeah, they may not get those minutes, definitely when they first turn up, to be fair. But they know that what they're going to build throughout their career has one hell of a base if you are really focusing on being at Chelsea Football Club. We're a huge name, obviously, within the women's game. So that's always going to be a pull. When you are serial winners, people do want to come and play for you. Um, but we're, we're far more than that. When you look at our, our players, we're very much a family feel community. And I think you look at the relationships that our players have together, that really shows on the pitch. Um, so I think, you know, that that core inner strength and belief within our, within our team really helps drive it. And it is basically one big family. Um, and I'm sure behind the scenes, sometimes you will get falling outs. That's what families do. But we have winners throughout the team and even the people on the bench are pushing hard to get on the pitch. So everyone is always pushed to a higher level. Um, and I think that is what makes Chelsea just as strong as we are. We don't really have weak links in our team. Every player has an off game, but we don't tend to really have weak links. And that makes us um, formidable, I think, in what we do. Yes, we do need to start getting to finals and always winning them. Um, that is quite annoying. We do seem to like, oh, yeah, we've got the final, but we don't need that trophy. Um, it would be nice, although I'd get rid of all of them for one other trophy. Um, so, yes, it's um, it's about that family cohesive feel that we have at a club. I think that just draws the players in and it makes them perform better. And when you have born leaders that we have in our team, it, it drives everyone on. Yeah, so Tracy just referenced there the the one trophy that that we haven't got our hands on, um, which I think will be a big focus for this season. There are parallels um, with the men's team, uh, I think, from you know about a decade or so ago. Now at this point, Chelsea women are still yet to win a Champions League title. Uh, they made one final where they lost quite excruciatingly 4-0 to Barcelona um, and it's become sort of Emma Hayes's white whale I think in some ways um, lots of what Chelsea do and the players they're looking to sign is about trying to win that Champions League as we've said they win plenty of WSLs and I'm pretty sure Emma Hayes would happily lose this year's if it if it meant that they did get to win the Champions League um, but we'll take a quick ad break here and when we come back, we'll talk about the team as it is now, discuss a bit more, you know, why there is that Champions League focus and look ahead to this season and, and whether maybe they can do it. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Just go to indeed.com. 
indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed so tracy as we look at chelsea women as they are now going into this 2023-24 season there are a ton of big names in this team um, Sam Kerr, obviously Aussie captain who, you know, pretty much you couldn't move for her at the world cup, despite the fact she barely played, uh, scored that incredible goal against England in the semi-final against two of her Chelsea teammates in England, captain Millie Bright and Jess Carter. You've got players like Frank Kirby, who we didn't see at the world cup, obviously, cause she had injury. You've mentioned Guru Wrighton, our Norwegian left wing maestro, who for you are the stars of this Chelsea team, who if you were talking to someone who'd not watched them before, who would you be like, okay, keep really keep your eye on this player? I'm going to say Fran Kirby. If you do follow Chelsea online, you would have seen that she is fully fit back in training and has made a reference herself to say this is the first time she's had a preseason like this. She's feeling strong. And if we have Fran Kirby fit and able to go, I think she's definitely going to be someone to watch. We already know the standard of football that Frank Kirby can bring to, to us. Um, it was a shame. There was definitely times within the World Cup you could see where England needed her, for sure. Um, there was a couple of players though missing from the England squad at the World Cup that, you know, where there was the games that weren't so great, you could really see that they would have made a difference. And I think Frank Kirby would have been one. I think she's going to be one to watch. If she stays fit, you know, the experience that she brings to a team will resonate between our younger players and our new players that are coming in. So I do believe Fran will be the one to watch this season. Yeah, definitely. She's she's such an incredible player. If you've not seen Fran Kirby play before, um, she's one of my all-time faves. There's really, really no one like her in terms of how good she is both on the ball and in front of goal. Um, she's really a fantastic player. Obviously, Kerr, is probably the the biggest name on on this team. Someone who just scores goals for fun um, continuously. You know, she's won the Golden Boot twice in her time in England. Um, didn't score as many in the WSL last year, but sort of matched it and matched her total across all competitions. Um, just someone you can really expect to show up. And you know, as we saw at the World Cup uh, and as we've seen multiple times at Chelsea, scores some absolutely fantastic goals a real clutch player if you're if you're looking for a goal she is normally the one who manages to pull it out the bag um Tracy one kind of interesting aspect of this going into the season which we touched on at the top of the episode is that Magda Eriksson has left and we don't really have a, a leadership void because I think there's lots of players who are leaders we within have this a team lot of leaders. <laughs> we have a lot of leaders Chelsea I have an Four people right now that you could give the captaincy to, <laughs> literally, off yeah. the bat, four people. There's a lot of international captains as well with, within this squad, obviously. Sam, Millie, Marimielda, someone who, who captains Norway too. Um, where do you think, what direction do you think sort of Chelsea will go in terms of looking at club captain? It is, this is another interesting parallel, I guess, on the men's side, obviously with Aspilicueta departing um, and Reese James being given the captaincy. Do you think that's that's something, a direction Emma Hayes will want to go in, maybe looking for someone younger who's going to have the opportunity to, to grow into that role? I think, and I know a lot of Chelsea fans who would say this, it should be going to Millie Bright. I think... I do get the aspects of going younger. I mean, to be quite honest, I you could go Millie Bright, 
Marry Me Elder, Aaron Cuthbert, Sophie Ingle. I mean, these are these are the real core experience of our team. You could go to any one of those as captain. Um, a Guru Wrighton would be a great captain, um, just because of what Guru can do. I again, I'm never going to guess. You'll you'll hear this a lot from me throughout the season. Whenever I do any podcast, I'm never going to want to guess what Emma Hayes does ever. It's always going to be the absolute opposite to what I say. We could go younger, but I've got a feeling I would be amazed if it isn't Millie Bright, unfortunately. I, I mean, for me, it's fortunate she's amazing. But do we go younger? I don't know how Emma Hayes is going to go. I really don't. Um, I do like what they did with the men's team, though. I think giving it to Reese James was phenomenal, I have to say. I just think we're going to just mention that. I do think that was a great call. With our women, we've got a lot of leaders. And a lot of international, a lot of international captains. You're right. I mean, a lot of people may scream for Sam Kerr to have it. I mean, there really is. There's an abundance of players we have in our team that could easily captain us. I mean, you could move that captaincy around. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea how Emma's going to play this. But if I was to put money down, I'd say Millie. I think I, I think I agree with you. I think I'd, I'd be there too. But I, you know, as you've said, there are plenty of players who, who have been leaders within this team and will continue to be leaders um I I feel like Millie is very much a natural choice especially with her experience captaining England at this World Cup um and she's also you know been captain on the pitch for Chelsea plenty of times obviously but vice captain under Magda Eriksson anyway um let's talk a little bit about how Chelsea like to play football and and I was thinking about how how do you describe Emma Hayesball to someone who hasn't watched Emma Hayesball before? Um, the word, the diplomatic word I'm going to come up with for this one is pragmatic. Do you think that's a fair description of, of how Emma Hayes likes to play football? I would say, um, I would, I would say, yes. Yeah, it's really hard to describe at times how Emma Hayes really likes to play football. Um, but I think that works. I think you've nailed it, to be fair. I do. Yeah, I think um, if we look at sort of how Chelsea have developed, I think one of the key things that Emma prioritises is she doesn't like to stand still um, at points. That definitely leads to strange starts to the season. Um, I think Chelsea are on a run whereby we haven't won our opening WSL game. That for the past needs to change. Two years. That um, needs to change. Especially because we start against Spurs. So it does need to change. Yeah. Yes, but, you know, in the past, we've seen her play sort of 4-4-2s, 4-2-3-1s, 3-4-3s, 3-5-2s. You name a formation, Emma Hayes has played it. She's a very big believer that um, formations are basically rubbish and it's all about giving, um, you know, players roles on the pitch. You know, that being said, obviously, there does tend to be a formation that she sort of lands on for the season as the season goes on um it'll be interesting to see what what she plumps with this year I think also the other thing about Hayes is that she's someone and this is where pragmatic came from but she's someone who prioritizes winning um she's not going to be someone who prioritizes a way of playing football over um that ultimate outcome of winning which means that sometimes if you watch Chelsea it is horrible like they they ugly. play ugly, ugly. Ugly football. They will play ugly football. Yes. They are not afraid to sit back 
um, to just play on the counter to try and soak up pressure. But they also have the ability, and sometimes this is what people find frustrating about them, they do have the ability to play very, very good football. Um, at points, they've been very high-pressing teams. Sometimes, you know, for example, last year, they actually sort of got rid of that, sat in a mid-block for a lot of the season. Um, so to that extent, they are an incredibly interesting team to watch um, because you really don't know what, what they, you're going to get. I think oftentimes people see this and assume that it means... Emma Hayes is a tactically unsophisticated manager. I would suggest the opposite. I think she's not wedded to an ideology um, because she prioritizes winning, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't know what she's doing. It's just that sometimes she, you know, will look, I think, at players she's got available to her and go down a path which is not the most pretty way of playing football. It'll be very interesting, I think, to see how that maybe changes this year if it does change because I think this is the first season in a long, long time whereby squad-wise there really aren't any excuses um, in terms of the players she's been able to bring in, in terms of strengthening positions that have needed strengthening, in terms of touch wood going into the season pretty much with everyone fit aside from really Katarina Macario who won Chelsea's big summer signings but they knew was still recovering from an ACL but it's not a situation like for example last season we spent the whole sort of summer preparing to play a 4-2-3-1 which really prioritized Penelope Harder as the 10 and she pinked her hamstring and we barely saw her all season before she promptly fucked off to Bayern Munich um so that hopefully we're not going to see something like that this season hopefully we will sort of get this proper pre-season that allows the team to really bed into the way Emma Hayes wants to play but that will be something interesting to keep an eye on um before we look ahead to the new season Tracy I just want to hear from you a bit about where Chelsea play and Kings Meadow and the importance that Kings Meadow holds um, for the Chelsea women's team. It's interesting because obviously this season we're going to see more games than ever before at Stamford Bridge. This is a very common thing across women's football. Lots of teams are moving more and more of their games to bigger stadiums. That's because of increased demand. That's also because of increased technological requirements, such as, for example, VAR. Kings Meadow is not a ground that is set up to be able to do that. And you have to have that in the Champions League. Um, but I think Kings Meadow is still very important in terms of, you know, the history of Chelsea and, and the present of, of Chelsea women. Yeah, I think it's our core. I think there's that, you know, you have that little that little place where you just love going that feels like home. And actually, Kings Meadow is home. It's it's almost a bit intimidating because it's that small, you're right on the pitch. And I think that definitely breeds a great atmosphere. Definitely when we have the place full, um, it's rocking um, and it will lift the team when we are having those games where we are sort of, puddling along and it's not going so well and we're playing ugly football it's normally that crowd that lifts us you know it is our home um yes we are going to be playing more games at Stamford Bridge as the team grows and as the women's game grows in this country you just said it there we are going to see that massively change but for us as fans there's real there's a for a lot of people this and I go to both men's and women's it's difficult for me but for a lot of people who only follow the women's game they don't have a connection to Stamford Bridge yet. It, they're still, it's just a big stadium where the men play, where Kings Meadow is our heart, it's our home. You know, it's that place you look forward to going to. Um, so if you're coming, if you're new, you'll definitely feel that, I think, when you're at Kings Meadow. Um, do you have your core group within the West End who tend to be very loud um, at times? I can say I'm one of those. Um, 
And, you know, it's just a fun-filled family environment. Obviously, yes, we're going to be playing more games at Stamford Bridge. From that point, we need to build that atmosphere. This is new, and as we play them more, hopefully as time progresses, we will feel like we're connected to, to Stamford Bridge as well. I know Emma Hayes wants that. She wants to have more games at Stamford Bridge, and she believes the players themselves deserve a bigger crowd and sellouts a big stadium and, and a, you know a lot of our girls are very much used to that because they play um within the international setup so yes we have to be there for champions league the var is important in the champions league so we have to be there although if you look do look back and you're new to this you look back to last season we had a couple of phenomenal european games at Stamford bridge so um we wouldn't mind seeing more of those maybe not so on the edge and maybe just win it easier um to be fair i don't need that heart my heart pounding out my chest every time i watch chelsea um but there is a big development now going on as the team grows where we play grows and i don't think we're at the point yet where we're selling out king's meadow week in week out so we have to move fully to a bigger stadium but as the game grows we will out we will eventually you know sell out Kings Meadow all the time and it won't be feasible to play there. Um, I love the ground. I think it's our home. It's the women's actual base along with our academy team. Um, so yes, it's still slightly painful that doing a little bit more at, at Stamford Bridge. And as I say, I'm used to going there for the men all the time. So it's it's weird that I do feel that way about the women's game. But hopefully as the crowds build, we start bringing that same love and emotion and everything that goes with it. And we managed to carry that across to Stamford Bridge. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season, I think, in terms of that. I think Kings Meadow is a fantastic ground. Um, away fans hate going there, which to me is... It's intimidating. It's that's, intimidating. That's the point. It's kind of in its own funny little corner of London, um, but I've really come to to love that about it. Um there's been some amazing nights there, but Tracy, you made reference to to the Leon game at, at Stamford Bridge, whereby Lauren James won penalty in the last minute of extra time, which Maren Mielder scored, um, sent sent the game to penalties, which Chelsea then then won, and that was no steal, Maren Mielder. It was one of the most you know amazing nights to to be supporting Chelsea women, and for that to have taken place at Stamford Bridge on a very atmospheric rainy night. Um, I think lots of the people who were there, whether they were Chelsea women's fans at Stamford Bridge or, or men's men's fans who are more used to going, felt like a real connection with the team. And I think I think Chelsea had really needed one of those moments at, at the ground. And I think it's going to be really exciting going forward. I also think a good thing that the club has done is that historically we've looked to play kind of rubbish teams, uh, to put it politely, at Stamford Bridge in the league, you know, sort of Spurs. Um, we were originally scheduled to play West Ham there. That didn't then happen because the Queen died at the start of last season. Um, but, you know, they're games that maybe don't get get the heart racing in the way that that Lyon one uh, did. But, you know, that's set to, to change this season. We are set to play Arsenal and United at Stamford Bridge. Um, we, we're leaving City at Kings Meadow, which did make me laugh. I think having Arsenal and, and Man United, they tend to have a really good away support. We'll be putting them in the same section of the away stand where... The men have the away section. I think, you know, we can really build on those two games. I think those two games are huge. Um, and yeah, I, again, I'm like you. I, I did sort of giggle a bit when I saw that Man City had been left uh, at uh, 
at Kings Meadow. But uh, I do want to sort of mention this. Yeah, we are. I've had a lot of men's supporters say we're not in Europe. Yeah, we are. It may not be the men's team, but the women's team are. There is absolutely no excuse to anyone listening. If there's men listening, that you don't help fill that stadium out because there will still be European football at Chelsea this season. So there's no reason why we can't fill Stamford Bridge for every single European night. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the European nights are going to be really exciting. Um, and so let's let's get on to talking a bit about this season and what we can expect this season. Um, we'll take another quick ad break here and be back after this. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of US streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You know, like the name of the podcast to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Threat protection, they've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll send you a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened, just like Chelsea's 2022-2023 season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash londonisblue to get your subscription started today. nordvpn.com forward slash londonisblue. So when we look at this season, Tracy, I think the the biggest excitement going into it, it has been the transfer window. And Chelsea women are a team who like big transfers, um, have broken transfer records in the past. You know, that is part of club DNA, apparently, uh, <laughs> smashing transfer records. Although it's a bit cheaper to do that on the women's side than it is on the men's. Um, but normally that's looked like a couple of players here and there, um, you know, some of the big signings that we've sort of seen over the past couple of years, you think of Sam Kerr, Panilla Harder, Kadisha Buchanan, they've all sort of come in separate windows. Um, but this has been a really big window, both in terms of sort of big names and strengthening in other positions. So we've had Ashley Lawrence come in on a free from PSG, Katarina Macario, who I made reference to earlier, very exciting US attacking player who's come in on a free from Lyon. Um, we've had Shuka Nuskin, who's a very, very exciting young uh, defensive midfield player um, who came in, who we bought from from Eintracht Frankfurt. What do you think this sort of transfer window represents in the development of this team? And do you think there's extra pressure on, on Chelsea this season as a result of how big the transfer window has been, especially when we compare it to sort of what Arsenal and City and United have done this year? I think we've always got a lot of internal pressure on ourselves anyway. <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, when you do win back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, people just presume you are going to keep doing that. 
and that standard will never drop. And the fans that come in expect wins. They expect trophies. And as our team grows, that pressure grows with it, I, I think. And we have brought in some phenomenal players. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think solely that major reason is the Champions League. It's that one that just keeps getting away from us. And I would forego any other trophy this season if we could actually just pick that trophy up. We have a lot of talent, a lot of talent now. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Kat when she's fully fit. Um, you know, you bring in a player who's had an injury. We know that she's not going to be fit straight away, but knowing how good she's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. I think um, we have an abundance of talent now at Chelsea and there is absolutely no excuses for us. I still truly believe, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Chelsea fan, we have the strongest team in the league, bar none. There's no excuse. Yeah, I, I think that is true. I just think in terms of depth as much as anything. Um, and I think what's also been really interesting and is exciting is seeing how this team is sort of regenerated and so one of the signings that I didn't mention um the most expensive signing actually was was Mia Fischel came in from Tigres a very highly rated American striker she is presumably going to be back up to Sam Kerr with one eye on the fact that Sam Kerr isn't going to play for Chelsea forever um equally Lauren James we obviously saw win young player of the year for, for last season at the the PFAs the other night um, we saw her shine and not shine at the World Cup, as, as the case may be. But that's something that's really exciting about this team as well, Tracy, isn't it? It's like there are lots of very good players coming through, but you're also going to get the chance to watch some of the most exciting players of the future come through as well. Emma Hayes likes to overlap her players. There is that. You've got that core experience person up front and then there'll be the person who's going to be coming in behind them and then that person still is going to be coming in behind them and we do play a lot of football across all competitions there is always going to be time for people to shine touch wood we don't have an injury ridden season god let's just say that now and we do have a friendly on sunday night which will be very interesting um so yeah we we have a great depth you said it there in our squad and you know it will be interesting to see what our forward line does look like um, it'll be interesting to see how fit Sam truly is on the back of, of, of the World Cup um, and how, you know, when everyone's back fully within training. We do have some time. This friendly game is the only friendly game we have. Other games are going on behind closed doors. Um, um, so it'll be just a time for the girls to embed together, work together and start the season with a win. Because I do not want what happened last year. That was absolutely ridiculous. It's like we forgot to travel to Liverpool and we stayed in London. Um, we can't do that again. And obviously it's a London derby to start the season off. And who are we going to be facing but our own once a blue, always a blue, Bethany England. So she can have a really quiet game at Stamford Bridge. That would be nice. Um, and our girls can shine. But yeah, we we have a depth there that excites me. Um, and we have a lot of youngsters who can come through and I think really make a difference. So when we have maybe players who aren't on their game, we do have phenomenal players who can step up and come in and really push for places 
And I think that's going to be big and key. We have so many players. We have so many goalkeepers. We can actually start fielding the five-a-side team on the pitch. It's just going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be potentially a lot of change throughout this season. And it'll be really interesting to see... um, sort of where NIA settles on what this team looks like. Um, we've, we've talked about it throughout this episode, but uh, Chelsea are going for a fifth consecutive WSL title. But realistically, I think the priority will be the Champions League. As, as you've already said, Tracy, if you want to watch Chelsea play European football, this is the team you're going to need to watch uh, this season. Um, why do you think Chelsea have taken so long to do well in the Champions League. I think it's fair to say there have been ups and downs for the club. Um, I think sometimes the popular view from outside is that Chelsea are rubbish at the Champions League. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's just sometimes they're okay and sometimes they're rubbish. Um, And the rubbish seasons kind of seem to be held longer in the memory than than the good seasons. I personally feel like last year was a very good season in the Champions League um, and we were maybe not unlucky, but we put ourselves in a position to make the final. We, we lost in the semifinals to Barcelona, who are by far and away the best team in European football, in my opinion. What do you make of Chelsea's chances this year? And how much does it involve thinking whether it is possible to beat Barcelona? I think we're most probably, if you look at our list of players, I think we're in the strongest place we've ever been. If you look at the players, you don't, Take anything, you just look at the name and the quality of players we have. I think we're in the best position we've ever been in. Yes, we play one of two ways in, in Europe. We play really, really well, or we really, really don't. <laughs> and it is funny how people tend to hang on our don'ts. And normally they're Arsenal fans, really, who really like to rub it in quite a bit. I'm just going to put that out there now because, you know, they can't win the league. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, this is the best time than ever. Yeah, let's look at Barca. We lost the game at ours. We didn't lose it in Barcelona. Yes, I was at that game in Barcelona. It was a phenomenal atmosphere. Um, it really was. And we went there and they didn't beat us. And Jesse Fleming had the game of her life in that game. And if everyone had had the game of their lives, we could have actually won in Barcelona and we were, we were better and we're getting better. And I think with this squad, we, we really do have a squad that can take it to another level. I agree. Barcelona are a formidable team. They really are. And the youth that's coming through within Spain, within the women's game is phenomenal. But you know what? We have some great class ourselves in this country and a lot of it sits within our team. Um, most of it sits within our team. Um, I think this is this is now where we step up. This is where Emma goes, right, this is it. You've all been bought in. This is your job. This is your focus. We know we can win the league again and again and again. We've done it. We continually succeed to do it. But we've done that. Let's go for what we haven't done. And I do believe that core focus this year. Although Emma would say we want to win it all, I think us diehard Chelsea fans would be like, yeah, it's not all of that. We'll just take... I mean, I'm booking my flight right now to Spain. Let's just take that Champions League trophy. Yeah, the final of the Champions League is in Bilbao this year. Um, it's a bit of a different... Uh, the group stage is a bit later than it normally is. So Chelsea don't have to go through qualifying because they 
won the WSL and thankfully Barcelona won the Champions League, so they get an automatic spot. I can't be bothered to explain to you why that is. Just believe me that it is. So you will see Arsenal and Manchester United are going to be going through qualifying over the next couple of months. Chelsea don't need to do that. So the draw for the group stage is on the 20th of October um, and the group stage itself runs from middle of November to the end of January. Um, So... Uh, yeah, and then from then on, it's not a guarantee because Chelsea have shown they can get knocked out of the group stages, uh, but quarterfinals will be taking place from March and hopefully we will get to see Chelsea play in them. So I think that pretty much wraps us up in terms of what you need to know. I hope we've given you a good grounding in the club if you have not watched them before I've only watched them a little bit before um, in terms of being able to to watch them whether live or on television we've touched on that there's games at Stamford Bridge this season you can get various different season ticket packages whether you want WSL games so weekend games at the bridge or whether you want the Champions League games so midweek games there um, there's also season tickets still available I believe for the seven WSL games that will be at King's Meadow if you're looking for more of that local authentic Chelsea women's vibe um, TV deals all over the world games on Sky and the BBC if you're in the UK FA player if you can get it to work, uh, normally if there <laughs> isn't a TV deal in yeah. place, you should be able to find Chelsea there. Um, and of course, if you are looking to follow the women's team more closely this year, make sure you head over to the Blue Royalty podcast feed. We are dropping episodes there twice a week with everything from match reviews to tactical analysis to interviews. So you can subscribe to Blue Royalty wherever you get your podcast and keep up to date with the Chelsea women. Tracy, thank you for joining me. Uh, for helping me intro everyone to this wonderful team. Yours is a voice that I'm sure people will get to hear more over the season, whether it's on this podcast or because they've gone to Kings Meadow or Stamford Bridge and can just hear you. That tends to be the case. That, that could be the case, to be fair. Um, people will see me around, um, that's for sure. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure. We have a, a long way to go. Uh, let's hope it's a phenomenal season, though. And if you haven't come to to watch us live, please do so. Let's keep the Kings Meadow atmosphere pumping. Let's fill that place game in, game out. Um, let's push the team on because they deserve it. Let's get behind who I believe will be an absolute phenomenal winning team. Um, and yes, um, there's nothing better than uh, supporting Chelsea FC. Come on, seriously. There's no other team. One thing we can promise you is just like the men, there is never a dull moment. Um, So it's well worth your time across the season. We will be back next week um, as I do what might be, you know, an audio description of the entirety of the Chelsea Roma game, because I'm not sure if it's going to be streamed anywhere, but I will be there. Um, So we will have a review of that match for you um, next week. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.